0: Good afternoon, brothers and sisters. How are you today? (coughs) I've been having some classes in the evening, so I got so used to saying evening. (laughs) Mm. So, today's uh, 5th of July. Yeah, 5th of July. Yesterday was US. Independence Day Happy Independence Day to our brothers and sisters in US uh, <coughs> And Singapore's uh, National Day will be next month uh, In a few days time we will be having a special day in Singapore Uh, today's topic today's topic is uh prayers in our life. Uh, prayers in our life. Let's see. Hmm. Yeah. Um, the the volunteer gave me a few to, uh topics to choose from uh One was obstacles in cultivation. Another was what are the bodhisattva vows. And then the the next one is how to deal with aversion. And the last one is uh, meditation and a wholesome mind. Yeah. Uh, So I thought. um, I think during this period, a lot of people do a lot of prayers. Yeah. Uh, So I thought. I want to just do a session on the the prayers that we have in our life. Hmm. Uh, I think, I wonder whether prayers are a natural thing for human beings. Um, In a way, when we are young and we call out for our mothers, yeah, when there's a thunderstorm and we wake up in the middle of the night i remember when i was young i would wake up in the middle of the night sometimes when there's thunderstorm then i will dash into the my parents bedroom (laughs) and uh, try to squeeze into the bed when i was like um, a toddler Uh, is that a toddler? I think when I was in uh, kindergarten, yeah, small little kid running. <laughs> Just dive in and try to uh, seek comfort. Yeah. Seek comfort in the presence of our parents. Mm. Uh, in a way that would be our earliest prayers, uh, calling out to our father, to our mother. Uh, the shortest prayer ma <laughs> yeah what does prayers mean to us and uh, what are the kind of prayers we have in our life yeah. uh, when do we do, do prayers and uh, what is the significance of prayers in Buddhism so um, I can't speak for everybody, yeah, so perhaps if you have thoughts about this topic, you can also post on onto, onto the comments yeah and share the kind of prayers that your your uh, do so I think for me the the earliest form of prayers that I make would be to call out to my mother to seek um, to seek comfort, to seek refuge in, in her uh, to protect to protect me yeah. uh, or to seek assurance. Yeah. Prayers come in various forms uh, as I said uh, the shortest is just calling out. The name of the person who who can render us assistance, uh, protection, and help. Yeah. So the shortest is Ma. <laughs> That's the shortest sum of prayers. Um, then at some point, I uh, I recall my mom, you know, asking us to uh, be involved in doing formal prayers. So. Bring us to the temple at pray, and then at some point at home, we have our own altar. The earliest altar that I can remember was really just a, a plywood with the anger bar uh, fixed to the wall, and uh, the Kwan Singh Pusa statue up there. Yeah. And I think we also have one more in the kitchen where the, our Ancestors Tablet uh, is just a, uh, if I don't recall wrongly, it's, uh, it's basically a piece of like a, almost like a frame, no photos, but just uh, the words, yeah, like basically our Ah uh, Kong, Lao Kong, Lao Ma, yeah, basically our Ancestors. Uh, grandfather, the grand uncle, the grandmother. Kong, Ma, yeah. So, uh, the grandfather, grandma, uh, grand then the great grand uncle, great grandmother, yeah. That was before my grandmother passed away. So every year we would have. Uh, the the you know the Qingming or the death anniversary we'll do our prayers more like we'll do offering of the like a meal and then vaguely um, remember like you know to the prayer would be in the form of inviting them to come and um, have a meal uh, but that's ancestor worship yeah. Uh, Do they really come and pray or come to eat? (laughs) Uh, As a Buddhist we will hope not because if they do then it means that they are in the the ghost realm. Ghosts in Buddhism is it's not that human beings die and definitely become a ghost. Ghosts is a separate state of existence and for those with uh, strong attachment then they get reborn uh, in that state Uh, abide temporarily yeah. Then it, once that that uh, karmic force is worn out then they get reborn again. But we still do that uh, kind of prayers. Oh, so that kind of prayers oh there's then there's also the in the process we we may also like pray that our ancestors will, will bless us, you know. Yeah. So it involves uh, a kind of beseeching yeah that's one kind of prayer to ask for help yeah ask for help uh and it and it can be asking for help for ourselves yeah or it can be asking for help for others then of course there's the famous verse that I often oftentimes in class it can go something like that. Namokwan Simposat Fu pingan sun uh, always bring a bring a smile to my to me, and uh, sometimes bring a chuckle to, to the class. Because it, somehow it seems like that's the standard verse that um, all the mothers teach the children back in the sixties and seventies. Yeah, I don't know what the younger couples teach their children now. Yeah, uh, but. That was a verse that I recited day in, day out. Yeah. And initially, it was just reciting. And then, of course, over time, you get to sort of think about, okay, what that really means. So, Namo, Namo, Kwan, Se Po, San. So, for the longest time, we've seen Namo without really knowing what that means, also. Yeah. Then, later, we come in contact with Theravadan Buddhism, and oh, Namo. And then later on, we learn about the translation, which is "oh, it means homage." Yeah. Then later, I become a monk and I learned that in the the, the original word has a few meanings, yeah. Which is one is to turn towards, to rely on, to take refuge in, yeah. And of course, to pay homage. Yeah. Mm. So, but at that age, uh, we just say this without really thinking much. Yeah. So, Namo Kwan Se Im Pusat So, Namo Kwan Se Im So, Kwan Se Im which is Kwan Se Im in, in Hokkien yeah. Because I'm a Hokkien, my mom, although she's a teochu, she will teach us uh, everything in uh, Hokkien. So, homage to uh, Kwan Se Im Bodhisattva uh, or kita Suara Bodhisattva, if you will. Uh, and then, hutzo, uh, So, this is the interesting part. So, uh, we refer to Kwan Sin Pusa as hutzo, which, which actually translates to Chinese as Fuo Zu. So, the, the, which basically refers to the Buddha. Yeah. Buddha, the, the lineage master. So it's interesting because for some reason, even back then, we referred to Kwan Sin Pusat as a Buddha uh, without really thinking about it. Or maybe it was that we referred to Kwan Sin Pusat and also Buddha. But we we didn't really ask much, there wasn't much explanation. So that's the other feature about prayers last night. You just say it, you don't ask what it means why we do it and so on and so forth. Yeah. And this is more to do with the Chinese culture than Buddhism. Yeah. In Chinese culture there's this sense of uh, fear and reverence towards the uh, spiritual realm. Yeah. Uh, I remember many a times where uh, as a child when we have prayers for ancestors or we go to temples, and last time we go to Taoist temple, we go to Buddhist temples, and being kids we are naturally curious about things. Yeah, It's not that Asian kids don't ask questions, it's that we don't get to ask questions. <laughs> it's that when we ask questions we get scolded, so we stop asking. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's not that um, our more kids are, are more curious about things, that they are more creative, it's that at least in Singapore, Uh, those kids who grew up in the 60s 70s we have our questions being you know quiet and yeah not all questions fortunately but especially the questions about spirituality because you know during those festivities when we have our um, prayers for ancestors so then to the to the child, this is something very new. Uh, like, although we do it once a year, every year is, is something new because you know kids sometimes forgetful. So when you suddenly like, eh, how come today there's a feast? Then you ask, eh, ma, why don't you name then <laughs> like this is a very benign question, right? Yeah. So but our parents or uncles and aunties will be like freaking out, like, oh, no 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 no, don't ask, don't ask, <laughs> like. Um, like anything you ask, you know, how come how come we have oranges today? How come like this? How come? I mean, kids will ask all kinds of questions. I suspect sometimes it's because the parents are afraid of undesirable consequences. That whatever we say in the in the in the process has to be in the form of reverence. Uh, in the form of uh, prayer, you know, has to be respectful and then the question of what is respectful, right? So they are very afraid of offending the spiritual realm. Yeah, But in Buddhism, there's no such a notion. Yeah. Buddhas, Buddhas don't have... Buddhas are boundlessly compassionate. They don't go around punishing people for saying the wrong things. <laughs> <laughs> Having said that, <laughs> uh if we do things say things out of contempt we are planting the seeds yeah that results in undesirable consequences for ourselves so it's not that the enlightened ones the buddhas buddhisattvas uh nothing better to do sit around and then you know like, have a little black book yeah take note okay Chuan Kuan, huh? Uh, ask strange questions. Okay, mark. <laughs> Next life Punishment. <laughs> uh, no. So uh, quite safe. Quite safe. Free, feel free to ask questions. Yeah. So prayers. So that prayer. So there's the idea that for in prayers we that uh, we can seek blessing. Yeah, from somebody else, from outside to inside. Yeah. For some higher being in this in Buddhism, then we say we look up to the Buddhas, the Bodhisattvas, uh, for protection, for or sometimes even the devas, yeah. Because in the Suttas, it says that some devas have uh, pledged their service to the Buddha because they have benefited from the teachings. They have, they consider themselves to be disciples as well, and their lifespan is very long, so they can really be around to uh, give assistance to. Uh, to the Buddha's disciples. So sometimes in our prayers, we will ask for blessing and protection. Yeah. Uh, so at that age, and for most people, the, the idea is okay. You ask for help, yeah, and ask for blessing, ask for protection. Protect who? Uh, sometimes it's to protect ourselves. Sometimes it's to protect the family. In this case, bobi sui. Yeah, the whole family big and small from the old elders to the youngest. Yeah. Uh, yeah that the whole family be safe and for things to go smoothly. Uh, then the last one, <laughs> the last one is the favorite. Papa <laughs> Tuatan. I don't know whether my mum added that in. Yeah. That your father would have uh, would would earn big bucks. <laughs> yeah. Um, there was a period of time where I felt quite ashamed of this prayer. <laughs> yeah, like very uncouth, you know, very. I uh, call it, very low class. <laughs> Feels very strange to say such a thing. Uh. But over the years I start to appreciate that this is this prayer is not that bad. Now. Because it um it reflects on the very simple um simple requests, yeah, that people have. Just to have safety for things to go smoothly, yeah. And you know, if possible, last but not least, if uh, my father can earn a bit more money, you know? Yeah. Very simple. Never say earn millions of dollars. Just make, you know, make big bucks. Um, but first and foremost, be safe. Yeah. very kind intent. So over the years, I realized that perhaps that has that indirectly uh, started us on the on uh, meta, you know, the cultivation of loving kindness and compassion. The way it's phrased maybe may not be so atas, may not be so uh, poetic compared to may all beings be well and happy, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I think the direction is the same, the essence is the same, yeah. That uh, the family, yeah, from the eldest to the youngest, be safe, and for things to go smoothly. And most importantly is that. This is not a prayer to, for just for yourself. So it it um, it gets you to to care for your family. Yeah. So uh, so over the years, I start to actually share this in class and get people to revisit this prayer. You don't have to include the papa tuatan if you don't want to. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think the front part is very meaningful. Yeah. Uh, so, because it, it it gets us to start off with the on the path of uh, loving kindness and compassion. Yeah. But besides that, what other prayers do we do? Uh, I think for me personally, um, the The other kind of prayer that I do very sincerely is uh, the ones that I do just before exams. <laughs> yeah, Just before exams then you know like as in like literally outside the exam hall and then everybody is just waiting to go in and then you're like praying very sincerely and then you know the 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 yeah. come out and uh, tell us that okay uh, you, you all can go in now And as you're walking in your heart is like really pounding and you're making a prayer, simple, Please <laughs> Yeah. I think that's when you are super sincere. Mm. Uh, and in this case it's a bit more just for ourselves. Mm. So um, when I go to, I also get to as a monk. I get invited to uh, family's house to do home visits, uh, or to do hospital visits to do uh, to do either counselling or prayers or both for uh, patients. Yeah, whether they are they are they had an accident or they had they are terminally ill or they are. You know, uh, in their final hours or days. Yeah, sometimes it's cancer patients. So when I uh, go down, I don't just go in and just jump straight into the chanting. I will usually preface the chanting with some explanation of what we are about to chant, so that they understand and they do it with the right mindset. Yeah, um, and then I would also. When doing dedication, um, get them to think about uh, how you know. As we walk through the wards, it's not just your family members suffering. There are countless individuals who come in and out of the hospital, uh, who is in pain, who is in discomfort, uh, who is suffering. So when we do our prayers, to to encompass, yeah. Uh, to encompass not just our family member, but the those in the same ward, yeah, in the beds around, on the same floor, yeah, the floor above, the floor below, the multiple floors, the whole building, to encompass even those in other buildings around, yeah, to encompass even the hospital staff, the nurses, the doctors, to encompass those who are visiting. Yeah, to Basically, then slowly extend to include all sentient beings. Yeah, uh, in Buddhism, the um, the the progression of prayers often follow this path. Yeah, um, the, the, the process of dedication always goes in this direction. Yeah, starting from with ourselves, our immediate. Um, concern those who we care for and then slowly radiating out. Yeah. The 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 notion is when you do dedication we are sharing something wholesome. So it is like sharing the light of our candle. Um, by sharing the light the light will not diminish, yeah. But many can share in that light, yeah, and be uh, protected, be comforted. Uh, but it depends on whether they can connect with that teaching, yeah, whether they can connect with those uh, the, that something wholesome, something uh, that is uh, um, of the kind, kindness and compassion, loving kindness and compassion. So in, in Buddhism when we do prayers, there's this kind of prayers. So where we, we kind of have a intent to help someone, then we uh, do some prayers. But really speaking, um, in Buddhism, whenever we do the so-called chanting, the prayers is a bit different from uh, what is done in some other schools or other religion. Yeah, so. Like for example, sometimes the the so-called prayers that we do is actually reciting, reciting the teachings, uh, the utterance of truth that the Buddha has made before, yeah? uh, the teachings he has given. And when we say teachings that he has given, uh, many times it is actually a dialogue. Uh, of between the Buddha and uh, some somebody else, uh, whether it's Brahmins, uh, whether it's some of the ascetics, all yeah, his disciples, yeah, lay and monastics alike, yeah. and it often starts off with a question. Yeah, then the Buddha replied, or sometimes it's a question posed to a disciple of the Buddha, and then they would reply, and uh, so. The purpose in Buddhism when we recite these verses um, is that these are verses of truth and by reciting them we can uh, be exposed to the teachings of truth, uh, to learn about it and to commit to memory. The first thing that happens when we recite is that we we rekindle the teachings in our mind. So, sometimes we recite with the book, yeah, and then sometimes we have committed it to memory. That is refreshing the teachings. Uh, so, we see that when we do that, then there's something wholesome yeah, uh, because it's pointing us towards the truth. And in Buddhism, the emphasis on truth, the wisdom that realizes the truth, is utmost. It stems from the, the, um, from what the Buddha observed that our suffering comes about from uh, ignorance, defilements. Yeah, it comes from our attachment. <clears throat> so by, by learning about the truth, uh, the reali- reality, then um, we can reduce and remove the attachment. You know. So sometimes the teaching uh, is about the truth, sometimes the teaching is about certain mindset, certain qualities yeah, to cultivate, to practice. Yeah, so for example, when we <coughs> when we recite, uh, let's say the Buddha's name, or we, when we recite uh, one of the buddhisattvas name, let's say Kwan Sin Pursa, Yeah. or we recite the, a mantra, yeah, like Om Mani Padme Hum, the great the, the six syllables mantra yeah. or we recite the Great Compassionate Mantra mm. so similarly it goes through a certain process so initially we recite hoping to get blessing from it hoping that Kwan sa will come and rescue us <laughs> Yeah. then later on as we recite we extend it to uh, helping others, not just ourselves. Uh, but in Buddhism, we don't stop there. In Buddhism, towards the later stage, uh, when we pray, we pray uh, to become the prayer. In a sense, yeah. In a sense that we 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 pray to. Uh, that means we aspire to become uh, the solution in the prayer. Yeah. So instead of praying for Kwan Singh Pusa to come and help us and help others, we make the aspiration. It becomes more like a, an intent. Yeah. Uh, both are intent, but the initial part is intent for Kwan Singh Pusa to come and help us. Later on, it becomes intent to become like Kwan Singh Pusa to help others, to become the Kwan Singh Pusa in other people's life, to become the Buddha, the Bodhisattva in other people's life. Yeah. To become the wholesome friend in other people's life. To be the gui-ren in other people's life. Yeah. I think traditional Chinese prayers sometimes <coughs> have this uh well-wishing, yeah. That chuai mm. equivalent. Uh there should be a second part, yeah, which is chuai mm. So not not just always going out to to hope that you meet someone who can benefit you, to meet your benefactor, but to aspire to become a benefactor when you go out. Hmm. Because if everybody is looking for a benefactor, who is gonna be the benefactor right? <laughs> I mean think about it, only makes sense, right? Yeah. So uh, to have the aspiration to become a benefactor for others, to be a wholesome friend for others, yeah, to be a solution for others than a problem for others. But in Buddhism, we don't just start and end with a prayer. We start with the aspiration, and then follow up with the practices to materialize, yeah, uh, to make good that prayer. Yeah, so. 以愿道行,以心埋怨 Yuan. So when we make our prayers, it's basically saying let me set forth a direction yeah? I set forth a direction that that is where I want to be headed yeah? When we say we want something to happen, that means that's, that's the direction Then after that we say, uh, okay um what, based on that direction, what are the things I should do? Yeah. If I want to become a benefactor for others, I must have the ability to benefit others. Yeah. I must have the ability to identify people's strengths and weaknesses. I must have the means to to help others. I must also have the qualities, yeah, the skill set, the intelligence, the wisdom, yeah, to be able to guide others, to help others. I must have the compassion to do so. I must have the patience to do so. Yeah. I must have a lot of resources to do so. Mm. I must have uh, the mental capacity, the mental strength to do so. The tenacity, the resilience to do so. Yeah. And if you look at all this, then it is none other than the six parameter. Then it makes sense why there's this six perfection. Because this six perfection is what will enable you to become a benefactor to others. Will is what will allow you to become a good wholesome friend to others. It's what will allow you to become kuan Pusa for others. Yeah. In Buddhism. Being a Buddhist being a Buddha, it's not just a nice idea. Yeah, it's not just empty talk. You need to follow up with the actions, the practice, to develop yourself. And that's why we emphasize so much on developing our ourselves, the qualities, and also uh, uh, accumulating merits. Uh, for, for many people, the idea of accumulating merits is like, ayah. This is a very selfish intent. It's not. Yeah, I used to think that way also, but over time I realized that yeah, if you don't, if you yourself is lacking in merit, how do you help others? Yeah, you don't have the means. You don't have the resources. Yeah. So um, nothing wrong with accumulating merits. The question is, what do you do with the merits? Do you accumulate merits, cultivate merits, just for yourself? Yeah if cultivating merits is wrong then it's like saying studying is wrong why do you study so hard? <laughs> huh? you selfish or you want to get A? <laughs> well maybe for some people they they, are, they, are, they have purely self-centered intent they just want to study hard, get A, to flaunt yeah, but it doesn't mean that everybody must do that yeah? there are some people who study hard uh, so that they can master the subjects well in order to uh, to be able to benefit others with their with their knowledge and skill set, yeah. So why not? Yeah. So, uh, so during this period, uh, we have uh, we are not quite out of the COVID nineteen yet. So I think um, perhaps this is a this is something that we can do. Yeah, to include in our prayers to become uh, uh, a source of uh, help for others to be a bodhisattva for others and recently I've been sharing this crazy idea Uh, every morning after your prayers, after your meditation to do 5 minutes of daydreaming to daydream yourself to be a a bodhisattva just imagine okay? because we are not enlightened yet so you just imagine imagine if i'm enlightened then with the enlightened wisdom how would i look at my my day today how can i benefit people today and then think think about yesterday the week before the troubles that i had yeah Uh, if i'm enlightened how would i deal with them yeah being enlightened yeah using the, the, the wisdom of the enlightened ones yeah. Uh, like let's say to contemplate on how all uh, formations are impermanent or to contemplate that everything is empty in nature yeah. that there's nothing that you can grasp onto then how would you look at it differently just 5 minutes and then after that uh, after the after it's done, it's okay. Go back, Go back to, to being unenlightened. Continue to quarrel with people if you want to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In, the, uh, uh, in the various traditions, there is such a practice. Although a bit more formal. Like in the Tibetan tradition, there is this visualization uh, that you are the guru. Uh, we always pray, oh, may the guru come and help us. Like the Buddhas, Buddhist sattvas. Yeah, but there's a form of practice where you visualize yourself being the guru. Yeah. But it's not being proud, oh, I'm the guru, you must bow down, no. But it's to consider, to put yourself in the shoes of a guru and then to say, if you are the guru, if you are the, the Buddhist sattvas, then how can you benefit others? Yeah. We cannot do it yet, but just try. Test drive. Test drive. Also, if you wait until you are enlightened, then you know it, it may take a while. La. <laughs> yeah, so before that, test drive. Test drive. Yeah. Is as I shared yesterday uh, in class. It's just like before you go to go for a trip. Right? Let's say you think of going to Japan. Yeah, you think of going to China. You think of going to Europe. Before you go, you you are fantasizing, right? You fantasize on how wonderful it is, you look at photos, you look at friends' photos, you look at Instagram, you look at the brochures, you're fantasizing, yeah? but that creates um, uh, 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 that, uh, that motivation, yeah. that energy, that effort, and then you will materialize it, and then one day, oh, you're there, and then you enjoy the view, You know, you enjoy the sights, and then you eat this, eat that, and you come back. The difference is that when you go on a trip, when you come back, that's it. Only all you get is your memory, nothing, nothing more, nothing less. But if you visualize yourself uh, going on a different trip, on a trip to enlightenment, yeah, and then visualize yourself being enlightened. One day, when you do get enlightened, oh! Then there's one trip that you uh, you you don't turn back. Yeah, yeah. You become enlightened. You don't turn back anymore. Mm. So prayers in our life. Uh, Prayers in our life. Mm. Sometimes I also wonder, uh, like there are some volunteers, some students who attend my classes regularly, and I ask myself, uh, what else can I teach them? Yeah, how else can I benefit them? Yeah, I realize that sometimes I, I also don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I say I don't know in the sense that, um, uh, in a sense I know, yeah, uh, but in a sense I don't know, because I feel that everything that has been taught by the Buddha has been taught already, yeah. So unless students um, actively come to me, yeah, whether they are volunteers or not unless they actively come to me and share with me what they would like to know otherwise yeah but I hope that uh, especially for volunteers uh, that they don't take it as just work you know that's just an errand as a chore but that um, they they take this opportunity to have firsthand access to the Dharma, yeah, because ordinary, like normal devotees, they wouldn't, they they seldom would have access to come and like text me and say, "Supu, how about this topic?" Although actually, you can. But strange thing is that people, very few people do that. <laughs> yeah. Very few people do that. Uh, some students do, but it's always that one or two students. The rest, just backbenchers. Yeah. Just, you know, fan sitter, just sit there. So I don't know. Yeah. So if there's a prayer I have would be for them to, to have the courage to, to speak up, to, to ask for dharma. Yeah. And if let's say, um, like in the Watam Sutra, there's this teaching, uh, or in the there's this teaching about Sancai Tongzi Wu that if let's say everything that I can teach a student has already been taught then I should have the ability and wisdom to point them to the next teacher yeah. or should they find that they have learned everything they need then they should go and find the next teacher then they can progress otherwise like it's just like while, while you may you know uh, feel very comfortable in primary school but once you have finished your primary one to primary six, then it's time to go to secondary school, yeah, and then you can learn more. yeah uh, yeah someone must teach primary school, so as you see, it's like primary school <laughs> No advanced topic, yeah, very mundane topics. So even the prayers you see, my the prayers I talk about is all very mundane. Mm. So I hope I hope this session has uh, for for those who are new to prayers can give you food for thought and perhaps um, kindle you to to uh, be more active in your prayers and to go beyond the the self-centered prayers to. another level of prayers, which is to become to embody the prayer oh. and for those who have been uh, around yeah, t- take it as a revision oh. Uh, oh actually there's quite a bit of uh, comments here mm. there is a request to explain Yuan Xiao San Fan now yeah. Can. Uh, we'll leave that for next week. Okay. Uh, in video, Let me put a a hardship there. So next week we'll discuss this topic. Yeah. Uh, Yuan Xiao San Zhang Zu Fan, our dedication. All right. Uh, and also just a heads up, so the SGC life will continue until end of July, August, September, October. I'll be going off on a, I'll be having a three months retreat, so all classes will, will be suspended. Oh, uh, the volunteers, uh, I've tasked the volunteers to, to brainstorm as to what they can do in these three months. Yeah. Uh, so I leave y'all in their safe hands uh, they can o- it, they can also invite other venerables to conduct classes online and then post it onto the SGC yeah, as part of the SGC programs um, but I leave it to them Okay. so today is the 5th so we have 12 19 26 yeah, 12 19 26 yeah, three more weeks. Oh, so till then Amitabha.